Hi, everyone. Dr. Tim and Hillary here for another session of Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. How are you doing this morning, Hillary? I'm doing good. I'm I'm proud of us. We're getting a lot done. This is our October Q&A podcast, and we're going to have it like right at the beginning of October for you guys. So let's off. <laughs> we'll have to celebrate. Yes. How many podcasts have we done? Nah, you don't have to answer that. When we We've get to some number, we'll have to have a little celebration. And uh, yes, well, they're fun and enjoyable. So. Yes, they are. All right. So let's jump right in. More <laughs> questions. All right. Now, I think I sent you this one beforehand. Usually I don't send him the questions. I just have a list of questions compiled, but I think I sent you this one. Um, it actually came in from somebody that works at a local fish store. So here we go. Hi, I work at a local fish store and there's been some confusion on how to fishless cycle regarding the info card. So I figured I would ask you for clarification. For example, say we have a freshwater or a saltwater tank, give it 30 gallons, and it has the appropriate substrate, rocks, driftwood for the bacteria to colonize. The customer will fill the tank with either RO or mixed salt water and remove the filter media. Day one, they add bacteria and add four drops per gallon of ammonium chloride. Day two, they test. Day three, they add four drops of ammonium chloride per gallon. Then day four, they test. Here is where we run into issues. Most of our clients are reporting levels of ammonia that are between four and eight parts per million at this time. We generally recommend a small water change to keep it from rising too high. Are we doing this correctly? If they have reached five parts per million by that time, is the bacteria dead or can it survive at those levels? At what level will it kill the bacteria? On the info sheet, it says not to add more ammonia if 5 ppm is reached. Should we recommend waiting it out, do a 25% water change to keep it down, or add more bacteria? Thanks for your clarification. Okay, we're jumping in right from the beginning today. Uh, so there's a couple of, of issues here. And uh, let me uh, find a card. The first one is why remove the filter media? Because you say they, they, right? You said they remove the filter media. Yep. Don't do that, folks. The filter media is there to be filter media. I think this is what, what I think what causes confusion. I is, think maybe, maybe we should clarify what you mean by filter media. Because sometimes we do tell people to take the socks out. So, right. But, but that's, that could be confusing. Right. So a filter. Let's see how we do this. Um, many sumps uh, that people buy have filter socks. These are 200, 400 nanometer filter socks. We have a picture up on our website. The issue with those is because we grow the one and only bacteria on a small particle that particle can get trapped by the filter sock. So now the bacteria that you just paid for is trapped in the filter sock. You're going to clean the filter sock and th thereby throw away your bacteria. So what we say on the instructions in the recipe card is remove your filter sock. We don't say remove filter media. Me filter media, place where bacteria are going to live your sponge, the blue fuzzy pad, uh, rocks, plastic media, um, e even the centered glass or the ceramic uh, material. None of that is a mechanical filter. The, the filter socks are basically a mechanical filter. They're not a, a what I call a filter media, which filter media to me is someplace where you grow the nitrifying bacteria. So don't remove your filter media. You need that. That's there to grow the bacteria. So there's one problem right there. Um, does that make sense, Hillary? Or I mean, we I don't know how to explain a filter sock other than no, no, not, but... not all tanks have them. Some tanks have two of them, and they're basically fine mechanical filtration, which you really don't want to use 
you need to remove those when you dose the the one and only bacteria. Okay, let, let me just like add some more details. What if you, so they're talking about a 30 gallon tank here. I don't know that many 30 gallon tanks that have sumps. I know that's like the standard, but what if they have like a hang on back filter? I know you can get those little um, cartridge filters. Do those need to come out? Nope. All right. And I know, I don't know to remember the brand, but I think there was a brand that had, you know, the, it has the faults back and the water goes out the bottom and the top of that faults back and falls into filter socks. So small tanks can have them. But that, that's true. That's true. I have one of the small tanks that has it, but I'm just thinking if like, I don't know, if you go and you buy like your first tank, it's like a 30 gallon tank or whatever. Like my first few tanks all had hang on back filters. So right. just and, making and sure that that's not what they're talking about. Yeah. So if it's a hang on the tank filter, it probably doesn't have a filter sock. You don't have to remove any of that material. Okay. Now, next, they add the bacteria and they add four drops of ammonia per gallon. Okay. And then they test. And then the next day, they add another four drops. Well, here's part of the issue. What we say on here is don't add ammonia if... You, when you do the test, if ammonia or nitrite are over five parts per million, don't add more ammonia. And it seems here that they're telling people, and, and we've had this, I've, I've seen the last couple of days where people, they test, but it, the instruction says add ammonia on day three, so they just add it. But that isn't a definitive, you have to add ammonia on day three. You only add ammonia on day three if the ammonia that you added on day one has been reduced. It's not at a high level. Does that make sense, Hillary? Maybe we've got to reword this a little bit. I was just but, thinking that. I was like, maybe we need to redo the cards, like if then statements on there. Yeah, um, <laughs> like a computer flow chart. But, but the, the, I like the, it though. The, the the recipe cards aren't you know chiseled in rock because every tank is different. If your tank, like they say, appropriate substrate, well, maybe for this store, appropriate substrate is live sand. Chances are, if you're using live sand, and that's why we do have to do these. Maybe you can remind us, Hillary, we got to do these because it doesn't talk about live sand on the card. If you're using live sand, chances are that that live sand, once it hits, you know, water and now it's exposed to oxygen, it's got great conditions. All the organics in the live sand are going to be decayed or mineralized into ammonia. So you're, and this leads to why is there ammonia? Why are clients reporting high ammonia levels? Most likely using live sand, which adds ammonia to the system. <clears throat> Excuse me. You've dosed ammonia twice and you've got to let the bacteria get to work. So you've there's a lot of ammonia in the system. And the idea here is that you need to test. And if the ammonia is elevated or the nitrite is elevated, you do not add more ammonia. And why people may do this, we get this all the time is people think that the bacteria are going to starve. You know, they haven't eaten in a day. Well, they don't eat and they're not going to starve. You do not have to continually feed the bacteria to keep them alive. They're bacteria. They're not human. And actually humans don't have to eat all the time either. Stay alive. Um, so the issue they're running into is our clients are reporting, you know, high levels four to eight at this time. And that's because, most likely using live sand. One, uh, the bacteria aren't working very well. Why? Because they remove the filter media. The bacteria, nitrifying bacteria don't work very well, just cast about in water. They want to be on a surface. They want to get established, start growing. Then they start working. That's why there's a little bit of a lag time. So, the moral of the story is test and don't religiously add ammonia on day three. Yes, the card says that, but there's a little caveat there, and we're going to have to work to make this clear. 
Okay. Now the rest of the questions on here. We do recommend a small water change to keep it from rising too high. Yes, at this point, you probably do want to uh, do a small water change, 25%, but do not disturb the gravel, the, the substrate, whatever your coral sand is. You don't want to siphon clean because that's where the bacteria are and you don't want to siphon them out of the water. Then another question was... Uh, Five parts per million, are the bacteria dead? They're not dead. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a level, high level of ammonia that kills them. I never tested that. But we've messed up with our dosers because they get stuck. And we've come in and had our, you know, culture tanks skyrocket. I don't know how high they were, you know, 20, 30, 50. So it doesn't kill the bacteria. Don't worry about that. Uh, so what level kills the bacteria? Truthfully, I don't know. I don't think there is a level. Uh, I mean, you'd really have to be pouring a lot of ammonia in there to get to that level. So I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, and it says on the sheet not to add a mo more ammonia once five is reached. And that's true. If, if it's over five, what's going to happen is you're going to get nitrite spiking high too. And that's going to set things back. So what to do at this part, it's kind of how quick you want to, to cycle. Doing a water change to bring it down will help. And also adding more one and only at this part at this time will help because it's all a numbers game. And that's the thing about fishless cycling. You can cycle a 100-gallon tank with a two-ounce bottle of one and only if you want. It's going to take longer than if you used an eight ounce bottle because an eight ounce bottle has four times more bacteria that are going to work faster, establish faster and grow faster. You're starting with a larger base population and they double and they double and they double. So you're going to get a bigger population faster. So how much bacteria to use, whether to do water changes, adding more bacteria all depends upon your patient's level and, and your situation. Are you trying to cycle this tank fast because you've got fish coming out of quarantine or something, or something like that? There's no real wrong way to proceed. Cover everything there, Hillary? I think you got everything. That's impressive. Like our first question of the day started out with kind of a whammy, but yeah. I think that's good. And I, I think you're right. Maybe we do need to rework some of the wording on those cards. I feel like we get a lot of questions, especially about like my ammonia levels are too high. So, yeah. And, and I know I've got on one of the videos and I, we, we do have to do this because what I've recommended is, especially if you're doing any of the live sand, live rock, all that material that has, it has organics and the organics decay and become ammonia. You really should measure, get everything set up, run the tank overnight, and then measure ammonia before you add the ammonia drops. And I think we'll find that a lot of people have some measurable ammonia in their system even before adding ammonia drops. Yep. I would be curious to know, like, have everybody that's starting a new tank, like, leave a comment. Let me know. Was there ammonia when you first started? Yeah, that would be interesting. Yep. So. All right. Number two. <laughs> Number two. I am currently in the midst of an ammonia spike and haven't killed off the nitrifying bacteria. Wait. Yeah. Haven't killed off the nitrifying bacteria. Um, then why are my nitrite levels zero? Shouldn't they slowly be rising? This is also, also this problem started right after I did a huge water change. Then I skimmed out a lot of gunk. Hmm, skimmed out a lot of gunk. Uh, I, I'm pondering because skimming out a lot of gunk, I wonder if a lot of that gunk contained the nitrifiers from the one and only. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why we say turn off the skimmer for 48 hours because what, what's happening, you've added the the one and only to the water and it's on these microparticles. You've got wave makers and all sorts of things keeping it in suspension. They're trying to find a place to settle. But if you have the skimmer on, this protein skimmer is 
excellent at removing bacteria, including the one and only from the water. So that sentence where they say they have lots of gunk worries me that they've removed a fair amount of the one and only, which is why the ammonia is stuck and they're really not seeing any nitrate. Um, I said the, the ammonia was at two, right, Haley? Um, they actually didn't give us an ammonia level. I don't have any numbers on this one. Okay. Because, well, that brings up another point. We grow the bacteria, and when we mix them, because we, we have the ammonia bac nitrified bacteria separate from the nitrite nitrifying bacteria, um, then we mix them. And we generally mix to a higher percentage of the nitrite oxidizers because those are bacteria that grow slower. Just physically, physiologically, they grow slower than the ammonia bacteria because the ammonia or the nitrite provides the energy. And you know this from your chemistry classes in high school, right? The delta G. We're going down a little rabbit hole here. We had, we, First one right. of the day. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't have a rabbit hole. That's it. And so this is how the cell gets its energy. Well, the amount of energy from oxidizing ammonia is small. And that's why it takes 24, you know, normally 20 to 24 hours for a, an ammonia oxidizing bacterium to double, where a heterotroph that uses organics you know, double every 20 minutes. The nitrite oxidizing bacteria, that energy yield of oxidizing nitrite is even less, a lot less. So they grow even slower. That's why nitrite can tend to build up in your system. You have to let the bacteria um, catch up. And in fact, in aquaculture systems, you know, where you're growing food fish, a lot of times when they're seeding and developing their biological filter, what they'll do is add sodium nitrite and get the nitrite bacteria established and then start adding ammonia to get the ammonia bacteria. Now that's a little more complicated than most aquarists want to do, but done that before in big systems, you get the nitrite guys established. Why? Because the buildup of nitrite inhibits the ammonia and the nitrite bacteria. And that's what, you know, there's, and, and I know we got this email. I don't know if you saw it or I got it. You know, somebody said, well, you know, there's, there's lots of um, opinions out there on how to cycle. How do you believe which ones are which? Well, you might want to believe the comments of someone who's been growing bacteria for nitrifying bacteria for 30 years and has done lots of research over someone who's just pounding on their keyboard, but that's just me. Not all opinions are equally in fact. So there is such thing as a nitrite block. Um, there's been PhD dissertations done on this. When your nitrite level gets too high, there is a negative feedback to the growth of the ammonia and nitrite oxidizing bacteria. That's why I really, you know, stress not continually adding ammonia because normally the ammonia will disappear first and those bacteria are working well, but you've got to let the nitrite oxidizing bacteria catch up. And if you don't, your nitrite builds up and then the whole cycle gets stuck. On the other hand, to circle out, or, you know, circle back and get out of the rabbit hole, the person was saying, why, why am I not seeing nitrite? We purposely add a larger population of the nitrite oxidizing bacteria. So when using our product, there may be cases where you don't see nitrite. Ammonia has been oxidized or you know, a lot of it's been oxidized and it doesn't automatically mean that you are going to have a measurable amount of nitrite in your, in your tank while cycling. You may see no nitrite. You know you've added the ammonia. It's been, ox it's been oxidized. That's the whole purpose of this. Um, 
So we do see that in, in many cases where people don't see nitrite. And that's the whole idea behind purchasing the one and only is to not have ammonia nitrite. So um, you, you won't always see nitrite when you're fishless cycling. Okay. Was that a long answer? <laughs> that was a long answer, but it was informative. Yeah, but you can um, go back a little bit and hear it a couple of times. So, <laughs> but I just know because I just you know people are well it doesn't work because I didn't see nitrite. The purpose of adding the proper nitrifying bacteria is really not to see you see any ammonia or nitrite or elevated levels or for it to disappear pretty quickly so that you can get your tank cycled. So. That says it's working. Exactly. And as always, if you have questions, if you're not sure, send us a message. We go through, we have we have lots of questions. This is my tank cycling every single time. So don't be afraid to ask. No. Okay. Let's move on to question number three. I accidentally spiked my ammonia to five parts per million on day one of the fishless cycle. Currently on day seven, the ammonia is finally down to 0.5 but the nitrite remains at five. The nitrate is around 160. Is it safe to say that my tank is cycling and everything is doing what it needs to do? It is definitely cycling. Uh, now, uh, your nitrate is not 160. What This is a classic case of the high, I'm sorry, your nitrate, yeah. You're, this is a classic case of nitrite, nitrite interfering with the nitrate test. When your nitrite is high, above you know, five or higher, save your nitrate reagent. You're not going to get a, a good reading. It's going to interfere. What's, now, what's happening is how nitrate is measured is the nitrate in the sample is reduced meaning they take an oxygen off. That's why there's a first chemical. It's a, it's a reducing agent. And it strips off one of the oxygens on the NO3 and converts all the nitrate to nitrite. So anytime you do a nitrate test, you also should measure nitrite because you have to subtract the nitrite value from your nitrate value. So for example, say you're, you're cycling and your nitrite measures one and your nitrate measures five. What you need to do is subtract the one from the five. So your nitrate's really four because the test is converting all the nitrate nitrate to nitrite. So you, if you have any nitrite in the water, that needs to be subtracted to get the true nitrate reading. Clear so far, Hillary? Yep. And I, I feel like we did, I'm trying to think what podcast it was, but I feel like we've done a podcast specifically on that. Maybe yeah, like back in the very beginning. Yeah. Because a lot of tests, Test kit manufacturers don't tell you this. And when are you using most of these test kits is when you're cycling. And then now what's happening in the, when you're nitrite, because this person overdosed and they had a lot of ammonia, you know you're going to get a lot of nitrite in the system. And with these aquarium test kits, when your nitrite is high, it just interferes with the nitrate test. And so don't even bother. Just don't, don't even bother. You're just wasting your time in your nitrate reagents. At this point, yes, his the tank is cycling, but as in the earlier questions when I was answering, the nitrite is so high that it's slowing things down. And so the person has a couple of choices. They can just ride it out. Now, a lot of people at this point are, my ammonia bacteria are starving to death. I continually have to add ammonia. And that just causes bigger problems because now the nitrite is going to climb and climb. And then pretty soon the whole system is going to crash. Do not add ammonia. You either do nothing and let the system and the back nitrite oxidizing bacteria 
catch up. And once the nitrite drops down to about 0.5, you can add more ammonia. Or as in the first question, the answer to that, you can do a partial water change. Don't siphon clean the gravel. Don't change your filter pads. Just take some water out the top of the water column. So, so you're diluting the nitrite and the bacteria will start working faster. So you can do a water change and then you can add more one and only um, either or, um, or you can do nothing. The number one thing not to do, add more ammonia at this point. It is not going to speed anything up. You heard it, folks. Don't add more ammonia. <laughs> we get this all the time, Hillary. <laughs> my bacteria thinking, is starving to death. <laughs> I was just going to ask. I was like, but will my bacteria starve? No, they will not. Okay, let's see. Ooh, okay. Our next question is a totally, I mean, it's an ammonia question, but it's a different type of ammonia question. So, Hi, Dr. Tim. I talked to you a few years back about using a powder to mix my mo my own ammonia chloride solution, but now I don't remember the mix ratio anymore and was wondering if you could help me out with how much powder I should use in one liter of RODI. I think it was only a few teaspoons, but that's what I have. Thanks. From Sweden. From Sweden. Heard more. Yeah, we won't, we won't answer in Swedish. Oh, come um, on. No, no, no. And yes, I went to uh, school one year in college. My junior year in college, I went to the University of Uppsala and studied limnology, which is freshwater biology in Swedish. It was a blast. I think we should have like a whole podcast on that in Swedish. In Swedish. <laughs> Great. All right, moving on. Um, so you you can, and and the 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 short answer is I can't really answer this because there's two types of ammonia powder. You can get ammonium chloride, which is what we use, or you can get ammonium hydroxide. They're very, they're two different things. If you mix the ammonium hydroxide, you're going to smell ammonia. Why? Because the hydroxide makes the pH very high. This is what generally cleaning solutions are. So the pH is, you know, 11 or 12. And remember at that pH, almost all the ammonia is in the NH3 or the gaseous phase. And that's how you can smell it because it's a gas. And it smells terrible. Um, I don't like handling ammonium hydroxide um, because it, it's just just not easy to handle with the smell and stuff like that. We add ammonium chloride. But what's the purity? You know, we buy reagent grade bags of ammonium chloride to mix this up. Um so unless I know what the purity level of the chemical is, I really can't say use, you know, so many grams or so many ounces. Of, but what you can do, absent that information, maybe, maybe the, the powder material that you've bought doesn't give you that information. So what do you do? Well, the easiest thing is to you you need some type of a scale or some type of volumetric measuring device you have to know how much you're putting in best if you are able to measure a, you know in grams um, accurately and say you put in 1 gram put 1 gram of that material if you can measure that into 1 liter of distilled water you can get you know distilled water from the store if you don't have it stir it um, you know all these ammonia chemicals dissolve quite easily into um water but you know you have to be careful though i say that because there are some ammonia chemicals where they add an anti-caking agent and that is a, 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 another chemical in there to keep the powder from sticking. It make, keeps it flowing much easier. 
The problem is that anti-caking agent puts foam and residue on top and it kind of messes it up. We don't, we don't use those. Um, but anyways, put a known amount, volume, uh, grams into one liter, stir it really well till it's dissolved, and then do your ammonia test. And that, you know, that will tell you if you're, you get a concentration of two or three. Now you may have to dilute because your ammonia kit only goes up to a certain amount. And chances are the concentration of ammonia in that one liter is much higher. So you're going to have to take some water out and dilute it, you know, two or three times to keep a record. You take, say, 10 mils out, mix it with 10 mils of the eye water, mix that well, take that and dilute it again, 50%. So you can get within the range of your test kit. And then you're going to have to multiply your reading. You know, if you've diluted it half by two, if you've diluted the half by half by four and so on, so that you can get an idea of what the concentration is in that mix that you made. If you buy our ammonium chloride liquid, the concentration is 50 milligrams ammonia nitrogen per mil of solution. And you, that's, there's no shortcuts to doing this if you're trying to really be analytical about it. Um, the other way to do it is kind of wing it. I don't know if I recommend this, but you add a certain volume to the entire, you have dilute it and then add it to the tank, mix it up in some water, add it to the tank, stir it, and then measure. But then you're kind of in the dark at the beginning and your ammonia might be quite high. So start with a very small amount of the powder and work up because you don't want your ammonia to be over two or three when you first start out with the fishless cycling. Okay, that's that's that's, that's <laughs> about. I mean, I can't, that's as precise as I can be, unless you know what the chemical is. Yep, no, that's good. That's good. All right, let's see what number. Question number five. I've been using first defense in my tanks for a long time, and recently noticed that the color of the liquid was different. Did you change the formula? We haven't changed the formula. The color is going to be. Uh, range from a, a greenish blue to a yellowish green. I don't, yeah. Um, but we have not changed the formula. Uh, it's the vitamins that change, that, you know, control the color. And uh, it doesn't really matter. The color should be fine as long as it doesn't stink. I mean, really, really smell. You'll know. If the, if the first defense has gone bad, normally it has what I call a sweet, but musty smell. And that's because of all the vitamins that are in there, but it's not a, a pungent. Oh my God, my nose is ruined smell that you don't want to use that if it gets to that point. Yep. I feel like it's pretty safe to say if anything that you're about to put in your fish tank smells like that, please do not use it. Well, you'd be surprised. Well, no, I, I, I say <laughs> because, that. Yeah, because of the live sand. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've had emails, you know, where people, my life, I put it, it stunk, but I put it in there. Yeah, you know, what did it smell like? Rotten eggs. Yeah, it had gone anoxic. That's hydrogen sulfide, and you just poisoned the tank. So definitely follow what Hillary just said. And if it smells like rotten eggs, that is hydrogen sulfide, and that's nothing but poison for the whole system. So take that live sand and throw it in the garden or rinse it like crazy because you're just going to really set yourself way back if you put hydrogen sulfide laced live sand into your system. Yep, exactly. Okay, so hopefully nobody has that problem. Let's go ahead and move on to question number six. My pH was over eight when I started, but it's been coming down, which I understand is a sign the bacteria are working. Yes, still somebody's listening, maybe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm still keeping it over seven as instructed. Since my ammonia has fallen, should I dose it to get it back up? And when I do, how do I know I'm fully cycled? 
Is it when nitrates are start appearing? I do not understand why the bacteria would cause me not to see the nitrites at this stage, but I will trust you on that. I'm very curious to understand the science. Well, this is what I was talking about earlier. The person's adding ammonia. They know nitrification is happening because the pH is dropping. That's the clearest indicator. Nitrification happens, pH is going to drop. And but they're they're you know rightly confused because they don't see nitrite, and everybody out on the web is going, you know, you got to see nitrite. No, the one and only is working, and you're not seeing the nitrite because of the bacteria. So it's progressing. Now, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry about that, folks. Um, they don't say what their ammonia level is, right? I didn't hear a number. Uh, no, they did not say. Well, no, they didn't say. So nor normally what we recommend is that you add ammonia three times and then your system is cycled. Let's assume that this person, this is the first time they've added ammonia. They're not seeing nitrite, but their ammonia is down. Yes. I'm assuming your ammonia is 0.5 or lower. There's the nitrite is 0.5 or lower. It's zero. Go ahead and add more ammonia at this point. And once you've added ammonia three times and the nitrite and ammonia are zero, then it's safe to add fish. There's a big population of nitrifying bacteria. We always recommend before adding fish, do a water change to get the alkalinity and pH back up. Okay. Um, let's see. We are on question number seven. Got a lot of cycling questions, like this podcast and the last one. Okay. Been using ammonia to do a fishless cycle, a hundred gallon Rubbermaid stock tank with several live plants inside for about a week. That's a Rubbermaid stock tank. That's a tub, not a tank. Sorry, Hillary. <laughs> hey now, hey now. I got fishing tubs. I call them tanks. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't want to insult all you tub takers. <laughs> all right. For about a week now, my nitrite is five parts per million plus, about 20 ppm of nitrate and nearly zero ammonia. Can you help? Does this not work with the planet aquariums? Aquarium, why are my nitrites not going down? I was supposed to add ammonia again on day three, but I didn't because the nitrite was so high. Do you have any thoughts on this? Clapping because they read and they saw on day three, but then they read the caveat. So congratulations. Appreciate that. So why is the nitrite so high? See, at this point, I'd have to ask follow-up questions because a lot of times the people that do planted tanks are using RO water or they've manipulated the pH to a low level so they can keep the carbon dioxide as CO2 instead of bicarbonate. That's a whole nother topic we could talk about. Um, but Put it on my list. Um, but we don't have any pH values, right? Um, let me see. No, no pH yeah. values. So chances are because this is a planted tank, the environment has been manipulated, meaning they could even have a special soil. Uh, they've got probably low alkalinity, lower pH, low water hardness, which are great for plants and terrible for nitrifying bacteria. So this is why the nitrite is high, because the conditions are such that the bacteria are not in an optimal condition, so they're not dividing as uh, quickly as they can or, or should. And so the nitrite's building up. That's my best guess. Okay. Let's check out question number eight. Hi, which version of the one and only should I use in a brackish tank? I put the freshwater one in before realizing it. Is it okay to just put the saltwater version into, or do I need to start again with a new cycle? Uh, well, the best version to use in a brackish tank is the saltwater or reef version. It can tolerate 
a much wider range of salinity than the freshwater version. You do not need, you don't have to start over. There's not going to be any interference. I'm not sure where this all got started about bacteria, nitrifiers interfering with each other. Sounds great, but it doesn't go that way. Um, so you can just add the marine version, you know, salt water or reef to the system to get it going. Or, I mean, the freshwater bacteria will work. It's just going to take them longer. So, again, it depends on how fast you want things to, to get going. Okay. Now, along those exact same lines, question number nine is, what is the difference between the one and only for reef and the one and only for saltwater? Oh, easy. Nothing. The reef and the saltwater are the same exact composition of bacteria. It's just marketing because there are certain areas in the U.S. where reef systems dominate. And there's a lot of stores. Also, for some reason, people with reef tanks want it to say reef on the bottle. If it says salt water, it's like, well, that's for a salt water tank and I have a reef tank. So when we started the company years ago, we had two labels because it's uh, reef reef people want reef labeled product and uh, so it's exactly the same there's no difference between what's in the what's in the bottle between the salt water and the reef versions of one and only okay now again i, I feel like all of these questions are kind of clustered together <laughs> i bought the freshwater eco balance by mistake can I still use this product in a reef tank? Yes, you can. You, you can use any of the products in any type of an aquarium. It's all a degree of, of efficacy and speed. You know, most people want things fixed fast. And would it be better to use the saltwater version? Yes, but the freshwater version is not going to harm anything. It's not going to be toxic. It's still going to help. So you're fine. And the okay. follow-up to that, if, if you don't mind, is, is people get, well, you know, I, they panic. And I think you've seen these emails where people, you know, I added the fresh water mistakenly to my salt water. Is everything going to die? No, none of our products are going to kill your fish. Okay. So, you know, you, it's just one of those things you don't have to worry about. It's not going to happen. Oh, get up here. <laughs> Here's another one for you. <laughs> I accidentally got the freshwater version of beneficial. You're doing this on purpose. Aren't you? I'm not. It's torment Dr. Tim Day, care of Hillary. What did I do? I said the light was slow. Okay, I missed it. I sorry, I got it. Inside joke, folks. All right. Oh, go um I accidentally got the freshwater version of the beneficial fish food. Is there a difference between this one and the saltwater? Am I okay to use it? There is a difference. Um, and okay, first, yes, you're okay to use it. So what's the difference? The freshwater beneficial food has more menhaden, that's a type of fish in it, where the saltwater version, the marine version has more salmon. And the reason is the fatty acid profile of that base fish meal. And the importance of that comes down to the hoofus and the poofus. And you're asking, what's hoofus and poofus? Right, Hillary? I know you are. So <laughs> I am, but I was going to say, I think we've done a podcast on that. Yeah. So hoofus, highly unsaturated fatty acids, poofus polyunsaturated fatty acids. It turns out freshwater, all fish need both, but freshwater fish can make their hoofas from poofas. So they can make the highly unsaturated fatty acids from polyunsaturated fatty acids. Saltwater fish can't. You have to have the hoofas, the highly unsaturated fatty acids in the diet because they cannot manufacture them on their own. That is why it is a very poor practice to feed a strict freshwater food, which is generally cheaper, 
to constantly to your saltwater fish. If you feed once in a while, you're going to be fine. But over time, you know, dietary problems happen generally over time. We eat too many hamburgers and not enough vegetables over time. Um, and and so con- continuously feeding a freshwater diet to marine fish can result in poor nutrient health problems for your marine fish because they're not getting the fatty acid profile that they need. Um, so definitely, you know, a, a quality food manufacturer, there will be a difference between the freshwater and the salt. Just like I just said, the poop, it all boils down to the hoofas and the poofas generally. And so feed saltwater feeds to your saltwater fish. And that's the difference. And the main difference between our two diets. Okay, that's good enough. And with okay. more information, like Hillary said, we've done a podcast on our foods and feeding. Yes, that is true. All right. You know, I don't think we're going to have enough time to get through all of these. I have a whole bunch of questions, and I still have a large handful more that are fairly complex. So I'm going to give you one more question, and maybe we'll have to do a bonus Q&A episode. No problem. I like the Q and A. I mean, it, and we've got to figure out how, you know, people have these questions and unfortunately, you know, we're not up 24 seven answering questions. How can we get this to people where they can get these answers? I mean, we do have questions and answers and we have videos and we have the podcast. Hopefully that is a resource that people know and can get answers in a timely fashion since we're not, you know, 1-800-CALL-DR-TIM doesn't exist and is not going to exist. <laughs> you beat me to it. Word. Yeah, I knew you were good. Okay, right. last question. Then. Last question of the day. I have a question about balanced nutrients. I test my parameters religiously and my nitrate has stayed at one to two for at least the last six months. Phosphate stays between... 0.05 and 0.07. I have medium amounts of green hair algae on my sand and rock, green turf algae, and a very small amount of bryopsis. I've had periods where it was completely clear and my parameters stayed the same. I'm wondering if I have an imbalance where my nitrates are too low. Also, some of my LPS corals do shrivel and they aren't as puffy. Could you help? Definitely your nitrates are too low. I mean, that it still rears its ugly head where it was real popular for some reason that um, people run, you know, super low nutrient tanks, zero nitrate, zero phosphate. And that just uh, basically means you're going to get dinoflagellates. And we've covered the reason for that. So now, assuming that you're feeding on a regular basis, you look at sources and what we call sources and sinks. Assuming that your sources are good, meaning you're feeding enough, you don't want to be overfeeding, but you're you're feeding the system, um, and so that's good. What are the sinks? Where can the nitrate be going? How, you know, do you have kind of the the Swiss Army approach where you've got everything refugias, and uh, you know now they've got um, algae. Uh, uh, what are they called, Hillary? Where they're back? Where you put? Oh, oh, the algae scrubbers. Algae scrubbers. Thank you. Went blank there. You know, because people have refuges and they have algae scrubbers, and they have uh, media to reduce nitrates and phosphates and all this type of stuff. Those are all sinks that could be taking out the nitrate. So first, look at that and maybe turn some of those off, remove them from the system and let the nitrate creep up. The other thing is, do you have a ton of corals? Because the the symbiotic algae and the coral are using that nitrate. And that's where you're, the nutrient imbalance is due to an imbalance between sources of nutrients. You know, you're not putting enough in the water for all the corals just like you have to have a calcium reactor to keep the calcium levels up. If your system is really cranking with lots of corals and you're having problems keeping phosphate and nitrate up, I know it sounds crazy, but you're going to have to start dosing nitrates and phosphates or the system's 
well, you know, as this person said, their corals aren't looking very good because they're all starving for nutrients. So yes, your system's imbalanced. What the imbalance is, you have to start looking at all your inputs and possible, you know, the inputs of the sources, as I've said, and the, and the removals, the sinks, and where it might be going. Do you have a, a deep sand bed? I hope not. But, you know, that could be removing it. Do you have some dead zones that might be a little anaerobic? So you've got some denitrification going on. Um, just really have to do a whole kind of audit of your system to see where things might be going. And and what I recommend is not changing everything at the same time. Pick one thing, clean it, eliminate it, change it, and see where that leads. Okay, and then things aren't getting any better. Go to the next thing. One thing at a time is in in the meantime, you can be adding a little bit because you don't want to get the the uh, dinos going. And if you got your nutrient levels up, I think that bryopsis would go away too. And definitely the green hair algae, you're just in this low, right at the edge of this super low nutrient level, which is, which is really going to cause problems soon. Yeah. I think, you know, I think Mark Levinson had a YouTube episode where he was talking about like when you're changing things for the better and like fixing things don't do it all at once do it slow it everything did not happen overnight for the most part so like take your time slow it down when you're trying to get back out of those problem situations right and when you change something don't expect you know i did this last night it's eight o'clock in the morning i should be great no it's going to take a few days you know you, you and that's why you should keep a log just, you know, some notes, take pictures. Everybody's got a cell phone. I look at them all the time at the shows. Um, if people want to show their tank, but, you know, don't expect things to happen super fast. Nothing happens super fast. Nothing good happens super fast in your reef tank or any of your aquariums. So uh, patience is definitely the prime virtue here, folks. All right. Well, I think that was a good note to end on. And all right. We'll see if we have another, if we have time for another Q&A podcast uh, coming up, because we do have a lot of questions. And if you have questions that we haven't answered, um, I've got probably 10 or so more still. But if you've got new ones after listening to this, send us a message, let us know. All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been Dr. Tim and Hillary for another session of Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. Thank you very much. I just... Oh, <laughs>